Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Women's running, running, Women's running stories. It's almost you have to change the language to it was the time of my life versus my time was three something or four something or five something. People just say, oh, you're the runner who be cute. We're like, well, I want to be known more than the Boston qualifier. I want to be known as the one who loves to run, who does this running thing like in the morning just so I can take my kids to school. There's so many things about running that even people who are running are still learning about themselves. Hi, my name is Natalie Barletier. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a subsidy from Boston, Massachusetts. I am a parent of two kids, a boy and a girl, and I have a husband, and I've been running since the age of, (laughs) age, actually sixth grade, so I don't even know how old I was, but I started track and field, and I did take moments through that from where I am now with some breaks and pauses based on life things and just getting bored with the sport and then reinventing the sport in my thoughts to becoming a long-distance runner where I never thought me as a sprinter, hurdler, I would want to run more than a mile. And from that point on, I've just been in love with it. And it's not just something I have fun with, it's a lifestyle. Yes, in this episode, you're going to hear Natalie Barletier tell her running story which is absolutely about how running is something she has fun with, and also about why it's an important lifestyle choice for her. Natalie has come back to running against so many odds, not once or twice, but numerous times. This is especially true when it comes to her running marathons. Her resilience and her fortitude are truly remarkable, and she is here to tell you all about it, But before we hear more from Natalie, I want to welcome you to Women's Running Stories. We are the podcast where women share stories about their running experiences. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And this podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. And before we get into this episode, I want to tell you a little bit about running clothing that I absolutely love and a brand that, I mean, they're just doing so many great things for the sport and especially for women in the sport, and that is Wazelle. Wazelle was founded in 2007, and they are a by-women, for-women athletic apparel brand rooted in running. Of course, they also have lots of functional casual clothing that you can wear at any time. What started as a quest for non-poofy running shorts transformed into a mission to design great product, build the sisterhood, and improve the sport. 
No matter where you live, your pace, or your personal relationship to running, Wazelle has you covered. And I'll tell you, they have had me covered for years. I love the fit. I love the comfort, the looks, and I love all the detailing. I especially like all the pockets in their tights and shorts. I love their casual clothing, and their jog bras are the best. I also really appreciate all of the work that Wazelle does to improve the sport of running. So check out Wazelle. They are at wazelle.com, O-I-S-E-L-L-E dot com. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now, on to Natalie's story. As I like to do here often, we are going back to the beginning, when Natalie was first introduced to the sport of running. And even though the running disciplines she'd focus on then were far different than the running she does today, the one thing that has remained the same is her love of the sport and her absolute determination. Here to tell the story, beginning at the beginning, is Natalie Barletier. So, yeah, like every parent with kids, they'll say, oh, my kid's always running around. She never stops. She never sits down. And I was that kid. And then my mom had a friend said, oh, you know, maybe she should do like track if she likes running. And my mom's like, what is that? So, okay, well, let's just sign her up. So I went to a summer track and field program. I was in sixth grade and there were everything there. So the long runs, the short runs, just sprinting down the track, the throwing the javelin, throwing discus. And so for me, it was a playground. I'm like, ooh, look at all these things I can do. I can just keep running and no one's gonna stop me. This is great. And so with that, so the coach at the time, what they did versus like how they do in high school, every kid had an opportunity to try out anything they wanted to do. So whether it had been just sprinting, running a full lap around the track, throwing a jab, they taught you the techniques and forms. But with me, they realized, oh, granted, I'm, I, I mean, I probably grew taller a little bit because I'm only five foot one, but my, my event that I ended up being really good at was the 100 meter hurdles and I threw the javelin and for that like it was it was everything for me like I wanted nothing but just to do hurdles and throw the javelin and I felt amazing like that to me was awesome but when as I grew up doing this I ended up doing this in high school as well where they had tryouts and it's one of those things where a coach as a freshman says, you know, everyone, let's you just know the, um, the 100 um, dash, the 200, 300, 400. And I said, oh, I can do the hurdles. And that's one of those things. It's like trying to be captain of the football team. Oh, slow down. Not everyone knows how to do hurdles because they do it improperly. They jump over like a fence and you're really short. But I'm like, no, I've been doing this. Like, this is my event. Like, I did this at summer camps. And, you know, they poo-poo you, push you to the side. So I signed myself up. I'm like, I'm going to try out for the hurdles. And my mom even said, are you sure you want to try out? They said, you know, you should wait your turn. You're just a freshman. I was like, no, this is for me. I want to do this. I need to prove them that I can do the hurdles. I have good form. I've been taught well. I trust it. Why not? 
Sure enough, they had me on the grass versus the track just in case I fell down. And so I was like, oh, okay. So here I go running on the grass and I did my lead leg, my trail leg, hit the hurdles. I stopped and I was done. They're like, oh, you can actually run the hurdles. I'm like, I told you this, I can run the hurdles. And that was my thing. So as I progressed in doing that, I got all stars. I was getting awards and whatnot. And I ended up doing the 300 hurdles, high hurdles, they called it at the time. So I did that. But then once, say, someone was out sick or whatnot, the 800 meters was still is still considered a sprinter's run versus a long distance run. So if you were, say, a hurdler, 100 meter runner, then the coach would say, okay, so-and-so is out. We're going to have you replace her, run the 800. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't do long distance. And to me, that was long distance. You want me to run two laps around the track? No, I don't want to. This is not my craft. And so I would do it and I would hate it. And I'm like, no, I need to go back to my hurdles. So long story short, when I graduated from high school, knowing that it would be hard to get into doing hurdles in college and not wanting to run anything longer than that, and knowing that I just wanted to have fun in college and just enjoy that experience without time restrictions and nutrition, I stopped. I didn't sign up for anything. And that's where I stopped track and field from that point on. I graduated college back in 2002. I went to New York, Connecticut, looking for work, come back, still not running. And then all of a sudden, the winter of 2008, January 4th of 2008, I remember it being a very cold day. I was at work, and prior to that, I noticed something was happening with my eye. I couldn't, like, like seeing floaters, and I kind of was like, huh, I wonder what's going on. Like, I was very naive. Like, I don't need to see a doctor. I should be fine. Then I went to some eye doctor at the mall and they told me, you might want to see someone. I'm like, mm, okay. So I'm at work and now I totally couldn't see any anything solid, like color-wise. Everything was gray on the left side. I saw floaters. I called my doctor. They told me to come in for an MRI. I went for an MRI. Next thing you know, after being in the hospital, in the emergency room for who knows how many hours, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Now, I honestly did not know what that was at all. And when they say your life flashes in front of you, because not only did they mention this, they also said, and it looks like you have a tumor in your brain. And all I kept saying, I have a tumor. I'm 28 years old, like I have a tumor. They're like, well, 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 it's a growth. We need to really fully diagnose it. Now I'm in the hospital by myself, and my doctor at the time, when he got the phone call from the emergency room, which I understand now, he was really upset because literally I'm 28 years old by myself. <laughs> Happy New Year. I was like, okay. And so I'm like, all right. And I thought, wow, okay. So I go home that morning, like it was like three o'clock in the morning. And the one thing they always tell you not to do as anything that you find like hurting or whatnot don't Google it. And I did. And I thought, wow, I, 
I'm not even married. I don't have children. I've done track. I've studied abroad. I still live with my parents and I have MS and I might have a tumor. So they did more work and realized, okay, I had an early diagnosis with MS and the tumor was actually a benign growth, which was due to the MS called optic neuritis, which then after about three months, it did subside and I the growth went down and I could I could see both of my eyes. So I, I didn't have any lingering effects from it. And I remember going to my appointments and then a doctor said to me, because I said, oh, my leg hurts. Something hurts. Is it MS? Everything was about MS now. She honestly, she was a sports, she was going into sports medicine. And I think if it wasn't for her, I, I, I always talk about her and say, if it wasn't for her to tell me that day, and say, look, if you didn't have MS, would you think, oh, my leg hurt because I have MS? I'm like, no. She's like, okay. You don't want to stay stuck complaining about what ifs and how come and what was me. And I kind of brushed it off. And I remember sitting in my apartment in um, Quincy, Massachusetts. I was I, I moved out of my parents' house because I'm like, I, I can't be living with my parents who are probably going to have to take care of me because of this MS that I'm dealing with, right? Because I still didn't understand the whole longevity of this or lack of longevity. And so I started to feel this weird sensation on my leg and thought, I need to run this off. And any, if you know the, the coin, the MS, like any walks or runs for it, it's like always moving to fight MS. And all of a sudden I thought, I need something that's fun again. And I remember having fun with running and trying to realize why I stopped running. And I kid you not, like they say, you need to just do it. And that's why I always tell people, you always complain like, oh, I'm going to wait till the new year to do, go to the gym and work out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's almost like how the doctor told me, you need to live your now. Don't wait for your tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow is going to be. I literally put on... I must have wore the worst outfit ever because I wasn't a, like <laughs> I caught in I the wrong outfit, no garment, no nothing, no GPS. I don't know where I was going. I'm just going to go. I just went, ran around the block and then I would post it on Facebook. Then I ran some more. Then I would post it again. And I was like, oh, this feels great. Post it some more, post it. And then a friend told me, you've been running a lot. And I'm like, yeah, this, it feels great. She's like, there's a 10K. Let <laughs> me what's a 10K? She's like, what? I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? She's like, uh, it's like six miles. I'm like, oh God, no, I cannot, I cannot. She's like, but you've been running a lot. I'm like, I don't do six miles. She's like, I bet you can. She's like, if anything, we'll run and walk and it'll be fun. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can walk. Okay. I signed up for the Tufts 10K. It happens in October. Next thing you know, I the gun goes off. I start running. I'm like, oh, okay, one mile. All right, two miles. Wow, three mile mark. Oh, I didn't die yet. Okay, four miles. Okay, five miles. People cheering people on. I'm like, this is great. Like, what life is this? This is great. And then I finished. I finished. Not only did I finish, I finished before the friend who told me to do it, and I survived. Natalie had just discovered her love of longer distance running. She'd known about this side of the sport 
For years, she had watched the Boston Marathon each Patriot's Day, but it wasn't something she'd considered doing herself. But now, that had all changed. I honestly, I, I was like, is this what they mean? Is this, is this, is this the thing that people say they love? Because I would wake up every year as a young kid in April because I did love running, but not for me to do it. I'd rather watch it. I would watch on Patriots Day. I would watch the runners. I thought it was amazing and thought, how can someone actually do this? And here I ran a measly little 10K that's not a marathon and thought, this is fantastic. <laughs> like, th- like where I know where I came from, from this diagnosis to know I just ran. And then when I did tell my doctor what I did, I remember she said, just remember, not everyone can do this. So you have to, you have to keep the joyfulness to a minimum when you come see me. And I said, oh, okay, sure, no problem. So out of respect, you know, when I go to my, my, my yearly appointments, I do see what MS has done or can do. But at the same time, I'm thankful for where I am and how I have been living with it. And every time I tell someone I have MS and knowing how many, say, marathons that I do run now, they're always, they are always in awe. And I always take that as being grateful and blessed because two, I do understand what my doctor said out of respect. Not everyone has that journey, but that is mine. And I will be happy, but cautiously happy. My whole journey with a marathon has always been what it sounds like, a journey through life, physical, mentally, trying to test me in any way possible. The first time I trained for a marathon was New York City Marathon for 2012. Trained, I had no coach. I was doing this on my own. This is gonna be great. I go to New York. I went to the expo, spent a gazillion amounts of money. I was like, yeah, I'm running a marathon. My husband was like, let's go see the Celtics play in Madison Square Garden. I'm like, okay. Like no concept of rest, no, no, nothing on the legs. I'm just walking around, not even caring because I'm about to run a marathon. 26.2 has nothing on me. And I remember this guy with a mic comes up to us and says, how do you feel about the marathon being canceled? I look, I said, what? He could tell that I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, what? And then all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing. Text messages, are you okay? Are you fine? What are they talking about? So the mayor at the time canceled it because Hurricane Sandy. I was like, oh, well, all right. All right. So that's one. Okay. All of a sudden someone's like, oh, you want to run a marathon? How about Boston? And I thought, what? You can run Boston without qualifying? Because I knew about that. Everyone knows about that. Like, you can't just run Boston. Like, I didn't realize that you could run with them by raising money for a charity. I said, sure, I just did it for New York. Okay. 2013 marathon. Everyone knows what happened there, too. The bombing. The tragic 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. 
Natalie was one of the many runners who was stopped about a half mile from the finish because two bombs had exploded near the finish line. Natalie was safe away from the explosions, but the people who had come to cheer her on were not. They were in the midst of the bomb area, and in fact, her then-boyfriend, now-husband, was hit by shrapnel. It is really chilling to consider the scene, regardless of the amount of time that has passed. Just, I, I, I kept this guilt where I love running. Running brings me joy. When you hear me talk about running, you think that has nothing else to do but run. And I brought these people to come cheer me on. I felt this is something that was my world. And I, they came to support me. And here, these evil people came to disrupt all these people's lives and have people die, have people miss their limbs, have people's loved ones not having loved ones anymore. And for what? And here I had brought these innocent people and they experienced this because they were at the second bomb site. Okay. They were near the marathon sports area and this footage of the bomb going off. You can see my husband falling back. There was a balloon that flew out of his hand. And I remember that night when we were all at a restaurant after my husband got released from the emergency room, I looked at all my friends and said, I'm not running anymore. They're like, you have to. I'm like, no, I don't have to. It's like, that's what you do. I'm like, I don't want to because I don't, I don't ever want to experience this ever again. They're like, you have to finish it. You have to run. You, you just have to. And when they said you have to do it, that's where I understood, like, this is a privilege I have where other people can't. Some people can't even get out of bed, and I can. And even with my diagnosis, I can run. I can do this. And that's why I want to show my kids when someone tells you you cannot, that someone's going to support you. But the main person who's going to say, yes, you can is yourself. And you have to find a way to move on because life is not handed to you. You have to find a way to be strong, trust the process, trust the journey, and you'll find that, 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 that thing that makes you move on. I honestly, I, I, it was a lot and, and I, I literally, I, it took me probably a month to be like, um, okay. I was like, well, at least let's, let's do something that's not so grand. Let's pick a little marathon (laughs) when no one knows (laughs) that much of it. And then we can go from there. And so, I mean, I came back, I mean, I ran the same year in the fall the Bay State Marathon in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's considered um, a Boston qualifier because it's really fast and flat. Um, I remember right before it, I think I got in a tattoo. I had um, been getting um, relaxers in my hair. I went natural. It's almost like I was like doing a rebirth of sorts. I had the tattoo of the sunflower and the the date of the Boston Marathon bombing on my arm. And that was my first marathon to finish finally. I was like, I was like, wow, this man, when people say, like, they're like, when someone says, oh, I can't train for a marathon, I'm like, really? Because 
<laughs> try try three try three until you finally do one because it's it's everyone's journey is different don't get me wrong but well, I can't make this up and literally I came back I did that and I did New York three weeks later and I did Boston in 2014 my best time ever too like I was I was I was on a mission Natalie was on a mission but also Unbeknownst to her, she had some unfinished business that came to light when she crossed the line at the Boston Marathon in 2014. Across that line in 2014, I thought I was okay. I thought I got over it. I did have a therapist. I talked to her a little bit. I, you know, I had a lot of guilt still. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I finished the Boston Marathon. And all of a sudden I hear someone yelling my name, Natalie. I was like, what? And I'm thinking, oh, who is at the finish line again? I'm like, okay. But it was even any one of my closest friends. It was this woman who used to be an instructor at a gym that I used to be one of her um, um, clients where I would do kickboxing. And we were friends on Facebook. And that's the thing. You don't know who's watching your journey, even if they don't talk to you that much. Even on Facebook, some people, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't talk back and forth all the time. You know what I mean? They're just there. I call them viewers. And you don't know who you're motivating. You don't know who's watching your journey unfold. You don't know who you're helping at the same time. And she screams out of the top of her lungs. She's like, you did it. You finished. You did it. I let that sink in. And I started crying the most ugliest cry. And she hugged me. And I literally fell apart. It was finally something I could say, I can let go. I can move on from the guilt and stop being negative. This, I was punishing myself, and I finally realized, why, why am I doing that? I should be just living because I'm able to live and run this marathon the following year where there's still people still struggling. I was crying for them. I was crying for me. I was crying for all those who couldn't because I did it. And I, like she said, I did it. I was able to move on. And that released all the negative thoughts I had in my head of thinking of, oh, you know, why, why, why should I run? This is not for me. Whereas other people are looking at me like you should because you can. Natalie embraced the fact that she could run. She'd finally processed the guilt and trauma of the Boston bombings. Her desire to keep running marathons returned. She also wanted to become a mom, which would present its own set of hurdles for Natalie, hurdles that she'd caught a glimpse of early in her MS treatment. I had an infusion. So when you get an infusion, it's like a cancer patient. You sit down, you get steroid treatment and whatever the medication may be at the time. So you're uh, being infused um, with a venous drip um, for like, it can be of three hours or six hours at a time. 
and you're sitting there. And I remember sitting there, 28 years old, going, wow, this is, this is a different way of living. And this young lady with a baby and her husband walk in, and she is in tears. She is crying. And all she said to the nurse is, she's like, I haven't been here since the diagnosis. I, I was doing everything right. I don't understand. And then all I heard the nurse say to her, remember, we told you this might happen. And I heard it, but I didn't understand. And I didn't pry anymore into the, what the nurse was saying. And then years later, I am pregnant. I got off the medications. I had a good, good pregnancy. The baby was born. Minutes, literally minutes after the baby, I'm like, something's off. I was there probably for four days with a C-section. And then as the days went by, as in the hospital, I'm like, something is wrong. And they kept saying, oh, it takes a long time before the medication wears off. And I was like, no, I feel like something is different. I, at the time, I was, I mean, my husband, we moved into my parents' house because we just bought a house. So we stayed there for like the first couple of months while the house was getting cleaned up um, that we just bought. And I'm in my parents' house and I looked at my parents and I said, oh my God, I look like I had a stroke. Literally my whole right side was limped. And they finally found my neurologist because when you have a baby within that week, you're supposed to go have the pediatrician check on the baby. And so they looked at her and then they looked at me and said, you need to see your doctor. And sure enough, I checked in with my doctor and he sent me straight to emergency room. I was having a relapse, which is the same thing that I saw when this other woman walked in with her baby. I had not had any relapse, any issues with running. I had ran five marathons by that point from 2008 till the birth of my baby, five marathons with no problem. No, I didn't, I, I never fell on the ground because that's another thing you sometimes can trip over yourself. I didn't do that. I didn't have anything to indicate the, um, the autoimmune was taking over, nothing until that point. So my whole right side was just just weak. I couldn't hold her on the right side. So that brought a whole postpartum depression, like what was me, what's happening. And then after going back into work, uh, the medication, I went back on steroids. I was fine. It looks like I never had a baby because I was so depressed. I stopped eating. Um, and then I remember asking a coworker who loved running, and I'm like, I need to run. That is like my cure-all for anything. If I ever have like a problem and thought or need to figure out a solution, I just go out for a run. It clears my thoughts. I can solve anything on a run, just mindless thinking. And like, it's like having aha moments all over again. And I said to him, because I used to run on my lunch breaks. I was like, oh, you know what? We'll do this. It's going to be the same. I said, I need you to literally watch me run because I think something is wrong with my running as well. And he was like, oh, okay. And I could trust him because, you know, you're at work. When you have a diagnosis, it's almost scary to tell your coworkers or anybody because then that's your work. You don't want to be fired because the whole, like, you know, everyone's equal. Sometimes it's not so. 
So I was mindful of that. I was like, <laughs> I'm a woman. I just had a baby. Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't have them see me. That's why the steroid treatment that I had, it made me, <laughs> I felt like, um, almost like um, from the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. I had my oil changed and I was good. They, they, won't, they won't see me break down. <laughs> this is good. I was like, I need to act like I'm fine. So my friend goes running behind me and I couldn't even finish a mile. And it wasn't because my endurance was off because I ran while I was pregnant. I had to stop because my doctor told me to stop because they were like, please, we don't want you to fall because... We just don't want you to fall. I'm like, okay. I, I, I ran up to six months and I was done. I ran in a half marathon and I was like, they were like, okay, please stop. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure, fine. I respect doctors. Okay, fine. And then so <laughs> I'm running and I'm like, okay. I turned around I'm like, so what did you see? Huh? Oh, it's going to be like that, huh? I'm like, okay. I said, no, you have to be truthful. You have to be truthful with me. Was my right side looking weird? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm like, okay. He said, well, at one point, it looked like you were, it was swinging without you using your muscles. I'm like, that's what I thought. Like, literally, I would run and I would lose feeling on the right side. And then what would happen, I would have to go sit down somewhere and I literally would have to wait for at least a solid two minutes for almost for the muscle to come back. It's almost like when you go outside and you're cold and you can't feel your, your fingers, you go into somewhere warm and you start to feel your fingers again. That's what it felt like. Like, oh, okay, I can feel it again. Okay, I'm fine. And it didn't actually scare me to stop running. I would still do it knowing that it wasn't the same I honestly said, okay, well, if I, I'll never be able to run a marathon again. I'll never be able to do 5Ks, even a 5K. But at least let me run a mile, two miles, just so I can do this, just so I can move. I don't want anyone to pity me, and I just need this for my sanity. This was 2016, okay? And then so in 2019, when I had my son... One, it was an accident. I felt like a teenager because I was fearful. I had the firstborn and look what happened to me. What will happen to me with my second child? So the baby was fine in the embryo, everything. He was born, perfect little baby. He was a preemie, but he was perfect. I'm like, okay. And as I do as a runner, I go to my husband. I'm like, I'm going for a run. I'm going to take this, my son. I'm going to push the stroller. Cause I feel like something's some, and it's always that, that, that gut feeling, that vibe I always would get with my health. And he looked at me and said, Oh, uh, wait, you can't run. Remember? I'm like, I, I think I can. I have an MS bracelet in case I fall. It has all my emergency contacts on it. I have my phone. I will be fine. If anything, I will call you. I'll run with my cell phone. Sure enough, I started walking first. Then also I started jogging. Then I was like, I can still feel my right side. This is amazing. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can feel my right side. Oh, I was like, okay, I have to go back. I go back, I drop off my kid. My husband's like, where are you going? I'm going back out. <laughs> I'm going back out. But I didn't tell him anything. I'm like, I need to be by myself. I can't risk pushing my son. I'm just going to go and run. 
on my own. I ran three miles. I came back. You would have thought I won the lottery. I didn't even know how to explain it. I called a neurologist. I don't understand what happened. Well, sometimes the relapse can have a setback, as they call it. And sometimes your hormones probably switched and things reverted themselves. Oh, okay. I, I honestly, I, I didn't even know how to, I, I still to this day don't understand because as you all know, I've ran more since then with no, no numbness and no setbacks. Natalie's MS symptoms had reversed themselves. She could run again, symptom-free. But there was also the reality that she hadn't been able to run very far for years. I remember the, those three miles were tough. I was like, whew, is this what they talk about? I'm like, this is hard. I was like, okay. And it went back to high school. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can't run. Them. I can't do this. This is not for me anymore. And then I said, no, I literally said, if anything, I need a comeback story. And if this is going to be my comeback story, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to train for the marathon again. And sure enough, a friend had a bid for Boston. She was part of the um, Boston Strong One Fund. And she said, I'm going to give you a bib. Um, Because I know you want to train. You don't have to raise money for charity because that's what I did. I wouldn't raise money for charities. And you can train. Now, this was 2019, going into 2020. And we all know what happened. COVID happened. Everything was shut down. I was like, wow, there goes my comeback story. I'm like, okay. Well, of course, COVID would not spell the end to Natalie's comeback story. Not by a long shot. Natalie has since run four more marathons, the latest of which was Chicago 2023, which just took place in October. She had considered making Chicago her last marathon, but then it also occurred to her that this was marathon number nine. And the lure to complete an even 10 marathons is motivating her to run at least one more. Beyond all the marathoning, however, there's another part of Natalie's running that has developed over the years that is certain to remain, regardless of what events she decides to enter in the future. So what's funny, before the kids and getting married, I ran. It was more for me, I think. The joy I found by myself. I still love running in solitude, but what I found now because I grew up and your mindset, my mindset is different in how I think about it. I started to really look around me too and realize the community of runners is strong. And I love that aspect of running. You can literally go for a run and have a conversation and the miles just go by. So it doesn't, it's not boring. It's not stagnant running. I found, I started to open up too, because I was part of Black Girls Run on Facebook. And then I finally said, you know what, I should start seeing where they're running and meet with them, make myself seen. I want to see what they're about. I want to be a part of that community. 
I just want to, I want to be vulnerable and see where this takes me. I want to be mindful that everyone's journey is different. I want to see what's out there with runners. And two, with social media, you see a lot more. So you, you can be shy in running where, oh, this person is too fast. I can't run with them. Or this person is too slow. I run better. But you need to set those egos aside because it's not about that. There are people out there who will slow down for you. They will push you to make you better. See, you got to think about it in the positive sense. Running with faster people is actually good. Running with a slower person is great because you can have communication, you can have stories, you can talk, you grow with one another in your journey. Someone's helping you for one thing and then the other person's helping you for another thing. You know what I mean? Basically, the foundation is running. Everyone's there to just run and move their bodies. And that sense of community is what gets me going. Like I've met so many people more now than I did back then. And it's amazing. Women, men, especially like the black girls um, run group, black men run group. They, they like, I know you're not a guy, but we enjoy the ladies coming through. This is great. <laughs> you know, it's great. Like I will tell people like, you can do this. If you have something or someone that you think it's stopping you from doing whatever activity it is that it may be, walking, running, swimming, hiking, jogging, whatever it may be, you have to find that thing that drives you. Like I, my thing is running. I have MS. I have two children. I'm a full-time worker, parent. I have a husband. All these things could be someone's excuses. Stop, stop with excuse. Find that thing and move. Just move. Just get outside and go for a walk. Go down the block. Walk your dog. Walk your kid. Something. Rake a leaf. Rake, rake. Go do something. Oh, it's too cold outside. Okay. Go up and down your stairs inside your house. Something. Do something, anything. Get outside and do some movement that feels good to you. It is really just that simple. Thank you for that, Natalie. And that does bring us to the end of Natalie's story on the podcast. A big thank you to Natalie Barletier for sharing her story here. Thanks so much, Natalie. I also want to thank Adrian Benton, who introduced me to Natalie Barletier and her running story through the Black Unicorn Marathoners. This is an organization that celebrates and connects BIPOC runners who have already or are going to run the Boston Marathon. And of course, look to the show notes for links to how to keep up with Natalie, as well as get more information about the Black Unicorn Marathoners. I also want to thank Wazell for their support of the show. You can also find a link to their site in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. I love making these stories, but I know the power of them rests in you listening. I would also love it if you would share the show with someone else who you know would enjoy these stories. And that is going to do it for me for this episode. Know that I do not make these episodes all by myself. Cormac O'Regan makes all the original music for the show, and he does that 
from his studio here in Cork, Ireland. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer, and I am coming to you from my home closet studio, also here in Cork, Ireland. And until next week, I do wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.